0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Amen. Open your Bibles to John. Gospel of John, chapter 8. Last week, as I was talking about how some of the, the evidences of the return of Christ or um, uh, different things that we're now seeing, one of those evidences is a lack of discernment in people, the lack of the ability or the inability to determine what is truth and what is a lie. And the truth of the matter is this, it is getting more and more difficult to distinguish between truth and lie. There's a reason for that. And what I want to show you this morning in God's Word is that truth and lies have always been the issue. It has always been a struggle. It seems to be more of an issue now, but it's really not more of an issue. It's just becoming more difficult because the lies are louder and the lies are are seemingly more prevalent. Just consider this, back in biblical times, you didn't know what was going on. 800 or 1,000 miles away unless somebody traveling through told you what was going on. Now we know what's going on for 1,000 miles away, real time, or at least we, we, we can see things real time. Now, how that's deciphered is is oftentimes uh, uh, phrased or shaped in certain ways to get us to believe what whoever wants us to believe uh, is, is, whoever's driving the narrative can can funnel information. But the bottom line is this. We have access to instant information anywhere and everywhere in the world, and so we have this overload that we are now having to determine, is this truth or is this a lie? Is this truth or is this a lie? I am tired of having to ask this question with every single thing that I see or hear. Anybody else? It seems as though that it would be so nice to just be able to say, we live in a place of truth. There's no lie. Everything that I hear, think of the rest that you would find when that happens. I want to tell you that is going to happen, but it happens when Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. It happens when we are done with this world. That's when it happens. But until then, we will have to have a discerning heart and a discerning spirit. And the struggle that you and I face in every challenge of life is this, what is true and what is a lie? In God's Word, we have the ability to determine what is true and what is a lie. In fact, I would argue the point that everything we need to know to determine truth and lie is found within the chapters and the pages of this book. God has given us what we need. We just have to put it inside of us. The Scripture tells us, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against God. In other words, we have God, if we have God's word inside of our heart, it prevents us from believing a lie. And in this passage, um, we have some insight as to why lies are so prevalent. I will tell you this, I have been, this message has been confirmed multiple times this week through conversations that this is the word we need for today. So listen up. Ready? John chapter 8, verse 30, as Jesus was saying these things, many believed him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So as Jesus was speaking, and if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, Jesus was saying things like, um, I am the light of the world. He, he was he was declaring who he was and who his father was, and the listeners were were on the edge of belief, and some believed and some didn't. But as we read verse 30, as, they, as he was saying these things, many believed him. That means that their hearts were beginning to change. But what was happening was they were believing intellectually. They weren't believing in a, in a in a saving faith kind of way. There's a difference in belief. You know this, right? You can believe something intellectually and not believe it in inside of your heart. And then you can also um, uh, believe something... Um, or you can also choose to not believe something. So there, are, there are various stages, I guess you could say, of belief. Jesus was addressing a crowd who were they were beginning to believe him, but he said to them, "Belief has got to move from just the head to the heart." That's why he said, "If you continue in these things, you really are my disciples, and you will then know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So that belief intellectually has got to move to a belief internally to which will change on the outside of who you are and what you do. It is impossible to know Jesus in a a saving faith kind of way and you not see change in your life on some level. Now the difficulty for somebody young is that it's hard to notice that. So when a child believes... It, you do not they, they don't go from, like, mass murderer to saint, right? So a lot of children struggle with this, or I'd say my experience is that teenagers struggle with this when they were born again at an early age because they're like, I'm not sure if I really believed or not because I didn't see a whole lot change. Well, sometimes the change is not as drastic or it's not as noticeable because you didn't have so far to go, and if you're in that condition, that's okay, thank God for it, because you've been spared a whole lot of heartache and trouble in life. You have found uh, uh, truth at an early age. But when you live a long enough time, your life gets more complicated and it gets messier and it gets more, more uh, 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 it just gets uglier. And so when you find the truth and you, when you believe intellectually but then in your heart of hearts, there is a change because now the truth is setting you free. Now we'll talk about that in just a minute. But doesn't everybody in this room want freedom? Does anybody want to be a slave? I don't know anybody that says, "I'd love to be a slave the rest of my life." Now we're not talking ethnic slaves, right? So take that mind take that take that word and and go ahead and just reposition it to what a biblical what this definition of slave is. Jesus says that a slave is one who does what sin wants them to do. A slave is one who has a master and has no choice. They have no freedom. They have no um, uh, ability to do anything other than what their master wants them. And so, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's, he's building an argument here, not an argument, but he's, he's, he's helping us to see this truth that there is truth, and then there's lie. Truth equals freedom. Lies equal bondage. Every time, all the time, without exception. So we struggle between believing truth and believing lies because what we believe is what we do and if we're listening to the voice of the one who is lying to us, our actions are going to reflect that. But if we're listening to the voice of the one who's speaking truth, our actions will likewise reflect that as well. Mark it down. Every trouble in your life, whether it's marital trouble, whether it's money trouble, whether it's uh, a parenting trouble, whether it's emotional trouble, every trouble in your life, there is a lie in there somewhere. Everyone. So, guess what? If you can root out the lie, and if you can call out the father of lies in a way that is not kind and gentle, but is direct and powerful, you have not fixed, but you have changed your circumstance on that problem. You wanna fix a broken marriage? Root out the lies and call it what it is and kick the enemy out. You wanna change your relational problem with your children? Call out the lies agree with what God has to say about the situation, kick the devil out. You want to fix a money problem? Go back and call out the lies, root the devil out, and your money problems will be different. Why do we know that? Because truth brings freedom, lies bring slavery every single time. This also goes with our health, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's all wrapped up together. So Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Listen to what the the response was. Verse 33, we are descendants of Abraham, they answered, and we've never been enslaved by anyone. How can you say you will become free? They just described us to a T. See, so oftentimes the lies are so deep that we don't even recognize that we're enslaved. And so many in our world today are trying to figure out how to fix life, but what they're not recognizing is that the root of their problem cannot be fixed by human genius. You remember the Enlightenment period? If you remember studying history, you had the Enlightenment that came after the Dark Ages, right? This is when art and music and, and uh, th- uh, all kinds of thinking, and the belief was man has it inside of himself to fix the world's problems. All we have to do is bring the beauty out. Well, simple question, how's that work for us so far? I mean, the, the truth is we haven't really fixed our problems. We've only made them worse. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some good, beautiful, bright spots in the world, but any time you use human reason apart from godly wisdom, you will mess things up. That is not a message that the rest of the world wants to hear, but folks, there is an eternal truth that God, the creator and founder of the universe, knows how it's supposed to operate. And when we operate, other than the way He says to do it, we're going to mess it up. It's just the way it is. So, why do we believe that we can fix things? Because there is a father of lies whispering to each and every one of us that which is not true. He's not only the father of lies, but the Scripture said Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning. This is his M-O. That's mode of of operate. It is the way he works. And he is constantly on the move to capture your attention and to shift your thinking to where you don't believe truth but be, that you would believe lies because if you'll believe lies, you will be enslaved and that's exactly where he wants you. The Bible says that the devil roams, roams around like a roaring lion seeking to, destru- to devour, right? I just totally botched that one, but you know the passage, right? The Bible also tells us That he comes to steal. Speaking of the thief, but we understand this. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He can steal, he can kill, and he can destroy by first getting you and me to believe the lies. And the lies are not always bad stuff. Sometimes they're on the opposite. You see, there's no limit to what he will lie about. He will lie to you, and he'll lie to me to say that we're not good enough. He'll lie and say that we're condemned. He'll lie and say that the grass is really greener on the other side, that that woman really would be better to be with, or that that guy really is going to listen more. He will lie to tell us that our children really don't love us, or that our parents really aren't fair, or they really not the parents that we need. He'll lie and say that doing this activity will really bring, bring, bring pleasure when, if we don't do it, we're going to be sacrificing and missing out. But this is not a surprise, is it? In Genesis chapter 3, we had the first lie of the devil. The first three lies, really. The first thing he said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 was, did God really say you can't eat anything in the garden? Now, why was that a lie? Didn't God say that? No. In fact, Eve knew that he wasn't speaking the truth, and so her response was, no, 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 no. God said we can have anything in the garden but one. You notice how he twists that? Did God really say you can't have anything in the garden? No, 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 no. We can have anything. We just can't have the one. If we have the one, we will die. That's what God said. That's what Eve repeated back. So the enemy then comes in from a different angle. He says, you you won't really die. You won't really die. In fact, here's the third lie. If you eat of that tree, you will then have the wisdom and the knowledge to know, like God, what good and evil is. You notice how he slithers his way into the heart and mind of Eve and convinces her that God is a liar And the devil is right. Now, of course, it's a serpent, but we understand that this is the enemy doing this. And so, that pattern has been used since that time until now and is continuing to be used inside of your heart and your mind on all kinds of issues and situations and relationships. If he can get you to believe his voice, he can enslave you. But Jesus said, if you'll know the truth... You'll be made free. Or actually, he said, You shall know the truth and you shall be free because of it. So, how much of a lie is enough to sway you from truth? Just a little bit. Half truths, partial truths, mostly truths are still lies. My favorite illustration is this How many of y'all like brownies? I love brownies. I don't love brownies, but I really like brownies. My, if you want to bless my heart, make me a tray of brownies where every single brownie has an edge to it, right? I don't, know if, I don't know if that's possible, but you get the crunchy outside part with a gooey middle. That's like heaven right there. It's marvelous. What if I made you some brownies, and I gave them to you, and I said, I added a special ingredient? But really? What, what ingredient is that? I I put a little bit of dog mess in them I know kind of gross isn't it I learned this at youth camp but but it makes the point what if I told you I made you these special brownies but I put a little bit of dog stuff in it but just a little bit how much how much is your limit of eat the brownie don't eat the brownie like are you gonna go so how much did you put in there Little dog or big dog, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to wonder. You're going to say, I ain't eating the brownies. Because just a little bit of that nasty stuff ruins the whole thing. And this is the t- case with truth. A little bit of lie in the mix of truth contaminates the entire thing. What we need to discern is truth... Versus a lie, and even when we are talking about truth, is there anything in there that is false? And the devil's really good. That's what he did. God said you can't. uh, Did God really say you can't eat any of the trees? See, he he kind of mixed it there, didn't he? He mixed it. He put a little bit of lies inside of truth. Fortunately, it was caught. And then he just flat out lies. Oh, you won't surely die. God wouldn't do that. He, he loves you more than that. Why would, he, why would He give you life and then kill you? In fact, He's holding back from you. He's trying to keep you from having your best life now. He just, I mean, come on. God's not that way. Folks, I want to tell you that this week I've had one phrase, four words that have been running through my mind over and over and over, and there's no nice way to say this, but in my mind, I've heard Jesse Duplantis saying these four words. Y'all know who Jesse Duplantis is? He's a preacher out of New Orleans. Here's what we need to learn how to say to the enemy. Devil, shut your mouth! Now if you ever heard Jesse Duplantis, that's exactly what he would do. And I, and I, and I, and I hope that here's the thing we want to be we want to we want to uh, uh, negotiate with the devil. We don't want to hurt his feelings. We don't want to cut it off too hard. We just kind of want to ease on out. Listen, you cannot negotiate with a terrorist, and the devil is a terrorist. He is a liar. He is a thief. He is a murderer from the beginning, and he is the father of lies, so says Jesus. The only way you deal with lies from the enemy inside of your heart and inside of your mind is to call him out and rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ through his word. That's the only option you and I have if we want to live because he will will enslave us in a heartbeat. And his lies, again, they're not always to to try to get you to do bad stuff. It's not always in the depressing part of it. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you, uh, whatever. A lot of times it can be on the other side with pride. Oh, you're better than that. Oh, you don't deserve that. Oh, shouldn't you be up on stage? Aren't you worth listening to? And he lies from every single direction, 360 degrees. He's like a roaring lion, roaming around, seeking the way that he can get into your weak spot and try to enslave you yet once again. And then he does this. Once he, in, once he causes you to sin, he then comes as the the other Uh, person that he is as the accuser of the brethren. Look at you. Look at you. Look what you've done, guilt, shame, regret, embarrassment, devil, shut your mouth. I have been given the righteousness of Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have been bought with a price. I've been redeemed. I'm a child of God. God has gone to prepare a place for me, and if it were not so, He would have told me. The Lamb of God was slain so that I could be made free, and I am free in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ, I will not be enslaved, and I will not fall for your lies again. Guys, we've got to take up our armor. We've got to start battling. You see, what I wish is that I could just draw a line and be like, okay, you stay over there, I'll stay over here, we'll be good. But that's not the way it works. He's an enemy. It's guerrilla warfare. He's constantly, constantly, constantly. And so the way we deal with this is we harden our defenses And Ephesians tells us that we're to put on the full armor of God because the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against principalities and powers. It's against the devil himself through his lies, but we battle against lies by truth. The way you defeat lies is truth. The truth is Jesus. The truth is the Word of God. So if you are fighting this fight in a more intense way, you've got to put this inside of your heart because you'll never win otherwise. These listeners were convinced that they were seeing things the right way. They were convinced that they were spiritual. They were convinced that their security and their position was good because of Abraham. Their argument was, We are descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved by anyone. Jesus said, no, 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 you're not understanding. I'm not talking about being physically enslaved. I'm talking about spiritually and emotionally enslaved. You're slaves and you don't even know it. You are blinded by the lies of the enemy. And then they kind of get upset and they say, our father is Abraham. And Jesus' response was, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me. A man has told you that the truth, uh, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. Now, that's a neat little say, uh, neat phrase there because what it's saying is this. Abraham was a man of faith. In fact, if we look in Hebrews chapter 11, we see these words, by faith... Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He not only believed it intellectually, but he believed it internally. He, he lived that faith, and he put his faith into practice. We know this because in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your family, leave your stuff, leave everything that you've ever known, and I want you to start walking to the land that I show you. And the Bible says, so Abraham left. Actually, technically it says Abram left because what God did was change his name later on down the road. That's a little mini sermon I want to share with you. When God gets a hold of your life, he changes your name. You go from who you were to who, you, who he has created you initially to be. There, you are therefore a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That is the power of the truth of the gospel. That's what it means to be set free because of truth. Jesus said, you are not uh, truly uh, uh, the son of Abraham. No, you have another father. And listen to the description. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. It it is just who he is. He cannot do anything but lie because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. In other words... The reason that lies are so insidious is because they come from the father of lies, from the pit of hell itself. I want you to just think a moment. What lies are you believing? A lot of times it's not lies we hear with our ears, it's lies that we hear inside of our head. If you believe those lies, you will stay enslaved. You know, I'd love to be able to call all of the lies out, but the truth is I can't because there's so many of them. It is lie after lie after lie after lie. It's that which brings doubt. It's that which brings confusion. Fear is based on a lie. Hopelessness is based on a lie. But for every lie, there is truth. So if you want to combat the lie, you've got to find truth. The truth. Do you know this? Every lie is because there is truth. So God didn't speak truth to combat the lies. There are lies because there is truth. God was first. God declared it first. And the enemy says, I'm going to thwart or I'm going to try to thwart God's purpose and plan by twisting what he's saying. But that's evident when God's word is inside of us, the disciples didn't like this at all. Jesus said, Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. They were spiritually hardened. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's word or to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. I wish I had time to show you all the Scripture that is based on truth and what we're supposed to do with truth. But just briefly, we are supposed to abide in truth. We're supposed to worship in truth. We're supposed to pursue truth. We're supposed to live truth all over the Scripture, God is telling us that truth is a foundation of who we are. Not only that, the origin of truth is God Himself. He is truth, and nothing in Him is false or pretentious or in any way uh, uh, shakable at all. So I want you to take this picture, okay? Right now, there's a storm moving on shore in in the Louisiana area. There are multiple houses that, right in this moment, they're being ripped apart. We know this because this has happened to us 16 years. Well, for them, it happened 16 years ago to the day. Is that, does that, does that kind of, y'all know that, right? That it is exactly 16 years to the day that Katrina hit. Just like Sally last year was 16 years to the day when Ivan hit. That's just, I I, I don't know what that means, but that is one of those weird things. But right now, there are houses being torn apart, but then there are some houses that are immovable. Why? Because the builders prepared ahead. They said to themselves, I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to pay way more than I could pay. And I'm going to dig deep footers. And I'm going to build a house that is solid, not made out of out of wood, but I'm going to make it out of concrete and steel, and I'm going to make this house preparing for the worst, so that when the storms come, this house will not be moved. Jesus actually said that the wise man builds his house upon a rock, right? What is your house built upon? What is your faith built upon? Here's where we kind of get Into stepping on some toes. If your faith is built upon preaching that is not biblical or that is superficial or Bible studies that make you feel good and teach you how to live but not who God is, your faith does not have much roots, have many roots. But if your faith is built on solid biblical teaching... And if your faith is built on your personal study of the Scripture, to where you, you, you look at the Scripture and you say, what does that mean? And, and it just as you ask those questions, it, it pushes roots down and grabs hold of the earth. Then you've built something that when the wind and the storms blow, you might sway a little bit. You might lose a couple of branches or some leaves, but the tree will not topple because you're being held uh, by, by something deep and rich, what is your faith built upon? It's sad, but a lot of professing believers have actually built their faith on lies. That kind of faith won't stand. In fact, a lot lot of professing believers, even though they've read the Scripture, Even though they know what God's Word says, they don't believe what God's Word says. Instead, they're listening to the voices of the enemy whisper into the ear. And it's confusion and it's chaos. And it's time to say, say it with me. Don't hold back. Ready? One, two, three. Devil! Come on, let's do it again. Ready? One, two, three. Devil! You don't say that on your own authority. You stand behind the word and say it. Devil, shut your mouth. Do it every day without fail. You know you know what happens when lies stop? Relationships are mended. Because you can't really love somebody if you're believing a lie. You can't really be gracious if you're believing a lie. You can't be free if you're believing a lie. Will you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? I want to invite you this day to start calling out the lies that we're all in some form or fashion tempted to believe. Are they lies about you? Are they lies about others? Are they lies about your church? Are they lies about your spouse? Are they lies about your parents? Are they lies about your friends? We're going to take some time here. Begin to call them out and declare in Jesus' name that you refuse to believe the lies any longer. You know, so many of us believe the lies based on our own self-image of what we see in the mirror. We look in the mirror and, and... that starts us on this downward spiral of believing all kinds of stuff. Or we look at our past. We look at what we did or didn't do. And all of the guilt and all of the shame starts to flood in. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are enslaved by sin, and sin leads to death. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of your works. So that none of us should boast. Father in heaven, my prayer today is that you would set us free from the lies of the enemy. Not only set us free, but God, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a desire to know the truth of your word. So that every time he comes to lie, we can stop him in his tracks. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no one like you. So we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.